Olá pessoal, tudo bem? And welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today I'm joined by Bitso CEO, Daniel Vogel. Bitso is one of the most important crypto exchanges in Brazil and Latin America, and it became the first crypto company in the region to achieve unicorn status after raising a $250 million Series C round in May 2021. This was a really great conversation with Daniel, and in particular, I enjoyed hearing about his experience launching Bitso in Brazil after having success elsewhere in the region. Before we jump in, I'd like to say a quick thank you to our partner for this episode, which is the HBAR Foundation. HBAR Foundation works to support growth across the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. If you're an entrepreneur in Brazil or the LATAM region, and you have a cool project or an idea that needs some help scaling or just getting started, I highly recommend taking a look at these guys. They have several different grant funds in operation that are seeding projects across DeFi, FinTech, NFTs, and sustainability, and they've got a lot of other resources to help you out on your journey. So please do head over to hbarfoundation.org to take a look and learn more. All right. We are here at Consensus 2022 in Austin, Texas, and I'm joined by Daniel Vogel, who's the CEO of Bitso. And today we're going to be talking a bit about uh, his experience at Consensus here, his interest in the Brazil market, and uh, some other trends across Latin America and the crypto market more generally. Uh, welcome, Daniel. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Aaron. Super happy to be here. Excited to finally meet in person after so many, so many months of just reading you. So very, very excited to be chatting with you today. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm glad we could we could meet up here and make this happen. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Consensus is uh, one of the largest uh, crypto conferences in the world. Used to be hosted in New York. Now it's in Austin, Texas. I think we've had people from 100 plus countries here this week. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really hot, but it's been a lot of fun. So. With that, Daniel, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and Bitso, and then I'd like to talk a bit more about how you transitioned into Brazil. Sure, absolutely. So um, I'm originally from Mexico, and then I spent 10 years in the States. When I was there, I learned about Bitcoin, and this is uh, 2010, 2011. I just got super excited about the idea of digital money, understanding more about what money was or what money wasn't. I saw an opportunity for money to be thought about in a different way. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And eventually that led to Bitso. You know, we saw an opportunity to bring back then Bitcoin closer to people by, in Latin America by just basically creating an exchange. I think a lot of things have happened since then. And we try to think of ourselves more of a crypto platform where we're trying to bring financial products to individuals in ways that people couldn't just can't get access uh, to in any other way. And so we launched operations in Mexico eight years ago. Bitso comes from the contraction of Bitcoin and Peso, uh, the, the, the local currency in Mexico. But since then, we've expanded into Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, and, uh, and we do some stuff with the government of uh, El Salvador or the project of Bitcoin in Salvador. And yeah, Brazil is a fascinating market, is um, an enormous opportunity for us. And we've definitely seen the crypto markets grow pretty significantly over the last, you know, 12, 14 months, maybe a little bit more than that, let's say 18 months. But we still see that the main sort of use case is speculation. 
And we get really excited about crypto as an investment, but we also get really excited and perhaps even more excited about the potential to use crypto for things that, again, people just couldn't or can't access uh, before. So examples, examples of that include access to stable coins in the region. So one of the places where we operate, Argentina, you know, 50% inflation last year, 70% inflation probably this year, stable coins, incredible. Our yield product that we just launched in Brazil, super interesting for consumers. You know that people there love uh, fixed income. And so we're trying to see how interesting fixed income in dollars is for them. And just generally, like we have this vision of trying to get crypto closer to the hands of consumers in ways that um, sort of go well above and beyond just speculation. Amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you for explaining the origin of your name, too. I was always kind of wondering, like, what does BitSo, like, where did that come from? What does that stand for? But that makes a lot of sense now that you explained it. So nicely done. So I'd like to ask a bit about, you've obviously had quite a bit of success in Mexico and, and these other, uh, you know, Spanish-speaking markets in LATAM that you mentioned. You know, I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated by some of the differences between the Brazil market and then kind of the rest of kind of Spanish-speaking LATAM. And it seems like you've taken a pretty bold move to try to bridge that going into Brazil after, you know, kind of going in bootstrapping, you know, you didn't uh, go in trying to buy a company, you just kind of went in and tried to set it up yourself. And we're gonna do this from the ground up. I just love to hear a bit about the experience of like, why did you or why did you decide to go in kind of greenfield, so to speak, and, and just try to bootstrap this from the ground up, maybe instead of trying to buy a smaller exchange or something like some of your competitors have done. I'd love to just hear a bit about what has that been like? Like, what's the biggest difference between Brazil versus some of the other markets you're operating in? When I think about what I'm trying to build at Bitso, I really am not trying to build an exchange. Um, I actually feel like the the speculation bit is one of the least interesting things in my mind that will, that crypto will solve. And so when we were going into Brazil, the decision was quite clear that there weren't any other players that were thinking about how to make crypto useful. There were a lot of players thinking about how do you make crypto accessible or how do you invest in crypto, etc. But our mission as a company is to make crypto useful. And so examples of, um, examples of ways in which we've done that in other places, so I talked briefly about stable coins and the role that they play in a place like Argentina. In Mexico, we've done um, remittances and remittances. Uh, you know, we, we power a large number of the remittances that go from the US to Mexico. But Brazil is different, right? Like Brazil, you don't have the, the volume of Mexican migrants in the US uh, from Brazil. So that's an enormous difference, right? And so going into Brazil and acquiring a company didn't make sense because it wasn't aligned with what we, we, we didn't find any companies that were aligned with our mission of making crypto useful. But the challenge has been understanding exactly, you know, how is, how can we make crypto useful in Brazil? Because we've, we've acquired a bunch of clients, we've grown quite a bit in, in the market, Obviously, the exchange product is a product that um, it's well served by by other players. And some of the other products that we've rolled out into the country, like the US dollar yield product, is having tremendous amount of traction, right? So that gets us excited. But we're competing against uh, the fixed income that basically everybody else uh, is providing. Ours is in dollars, which for, for some clients is incredibly attractive. But for others, it's um, they're already getting 
over 10% with their bank if they just keep that in reais. And Brazilians love fixed income. And so that's been the most fun part. And actually the reason why I relocated to Brazil is because I really wanted to understand from within the market, really what were the needs that, that we could tackle um, as an organization. And so we've enabled cool stuff and we're experimenting with that. So you can now buy um, tickets for the Sao Paulo Football Club with crypto. And we've seen um, neat things happen there. Like, uh, you know, we thought there was going to be a lot of enthusiasm to pay for it in Bitcoin. And it actually ended up being that the enthusiasm is for customers to pay with uh, SHIB uh, for, for these tickets. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely on a, on a journey to understand the, the market um, significantly more and, and, and our platform and our vision and how that fits. But we're so incredibly excited about it because we've seen, we've done this in Mexico, we've done this in Argentina, both countries with very different needs and products that have been successful in different ways and very excited and committed to the Brazilian market because we see an enormous opportunity there. That's amazing. So, so the SHIB was the that was the most <laughs> the most exciting uh, currency that folks were that were looking to purchase these football tickets in. That's that's okay. That's so there is a real world use case for SHIB. That is good to know. It's <laughs> very bullish. For, very bullish. Not financial advice, right? At least for SHIB holders. <laughs> <no? laughs> yeah. And um, so obviously, you in reference to the the tickets, you were sponsoring the Sao Paulo Futebol Clube, which is one of the you know the oldest and kind of most you know largest fan base football clubs in the country. There's been a lot of other just coming kind of a you know land grab of other exchanges sponsoring football clubs. I was kind of joking with a colleague or, or somebody else earlier today. I was like, you know, by the time like Coinbase gets set up in Brazil, like there's not going to be any football clubs left to sponsor. So like, how are they going to get customers, right? But but I'm just kind of curious. That's like your 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 general customer acquisition strategy, and you've been in Brazil a year now. You've hit a million customers, uh, which is which is awesome, and you've done a variety of different things. Uh, the football club sponsorship. You've done some other kind of promotions. You've done some TV ads. You've done like what's been kind of the general strategy, and what's what's worked and what's doesn't, what hasn't, and and maybe what was what was surprising along the way. Yeah. So one of the coolest things that we did with the Sao Paulo Football Club is that we we made like an in-game activation campaign and we got crypto into the hands of, you know, tens of thousands of people. And it was exciting to see, uh, you know, demystify what crypto is for a bunch of for a fun, for a bunch of folks that were just watching the game either in in the stadium or through TV. But we've sort of learned that like, you know, it's crypto as a as a method of payment still has a ways to go for people to really understand what is the value or why is this better for us like like brazil is very unique as you say right like pix is an example of how so pix is the interbank payment system that uh, brazilians use that was rolled out by the central bank what 18 months ago roughly the adoption of pix has been just fantastic, right? Like, I don't think there's any example of any other interbank payment system anywhere in the world that has had the adoption that PIX received uh, in such a short amount of time. So like the, the, the central bank has actually built digital payments and given it to everyone. Very different that, you know, Mexico, where digital payments are actually still difficult, you know? And so finding that niche is uh, has been has been super interesting for us, and I think we have now built a, a good understanding of what we want the strategy for us to be. 
So you will see us do things very differently because now we've we've sort of acknowledged, like understood that there are certain parts of our product offering that Brazilians are like are well served with, but there we've have found a really incredible opportunity to bring new people into into crypto that have very specific attributes that make them actually really good not only customers but also ambassadors of the brand so we found these like sets of individuals that have very specific characteristics that absolutely love what we do as an organic like they love us as a company and so we're very focused on on growing these types of users now I'm not going to tell you how we're going to acquire them for obvious reasons but um but but we're 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 incredibly excited about Brazil because we see a big market that on a grand scheme of things like st- still has um very low penetration um, and so we're very excited about that yeah and, and on that topic um you, you know just thinking about how like what's the value proposition that the user finds in in a given platform we're getting to the point where there's uh, there's really kind of going to be a bit of a, an arms race here to, to attract retail uh, new customers, retail investors. Uh, there's obviously the existing exchanges, there's Binance, there's uh, all these fintech platforms like Nubank and XP are launching their own crypto purchasing services. I know you've, you've mentioned like your, your value proposition is a bit more, you're trying to promote less, this is less on the speculative side and more on kind of other, finding other uh, methods of, or other forms of utility that you can offer. But I'm just thinking, I mean, we're still in this point where like, people generally get, most people generally get interested in crypto because of the price, right? That's kind of like the funnel, right? So at this point, like, what would you say is maybe the, or or maybe if you've done any kind of user, you know, research or feedback or anything, like why have customers sort of come to your platform vis-a-vis all these other options that are are coming to market right now and and kind of resonated with with those customers, basically? Absolutely. So I'll say three things. Um, Number one is simplicity. So people appreciate the easiness of utilizing Bitso. You can basically go from, you know, never have touched crypto to have crypto in a very simple um, way. Um, Some of our competitors have a much larger product offering that is very difficult to navigate. And so a lot of our customers really actually appreciate the 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 simplicity and the design of the of the product we've done really important work on pricing and so customers that have started to see our new pricing are actually really attracted to Bitso because of a pricing perspective and then i think the last thing is just these new products that we are that we're building right so the yield product and sort of the way that that structured the simplicity around the offering there's no lockups there's no minimums there's no terms you you basically get your yield uh, delivered to you on a weekly basis like people are people are really really liking that right like there are there are other competitors with yield products but they're fairly complex uh, you need to lock up your money you need to you know uh, select the term you need to navigate to a complex part of the product experience in order to find them and we're trying to really deliver a very easy and intuitive interface for customers that's what we're seeing customers actually really love and we're doubling down on that approach. Like basically, how do I make this be the easiest, um, most fun way to get into crypto where you can actually start reaping the benefits um, for the, about this technology? You know? 
Great. Shifting gears a little bit here, there's legislation in Brazil's Congress right now that would regulate crypto. It appears that it's going to pass as a, and be signed into law sometime fairly soon here. Just kind of a matter of ironing out various details. Just interested in general thoughts on how this is going to solidify the industry, perhaps, or what this means for, for the industry and, and for you guys as a company. Also interested in stepping back a little bit here, how you see this regulatory uh, framework, if it, if it comes into place as, we, as it looks like it might, how this sort of differentiates Brazil from maybe other markets that you're operating in, uh, like particularly like Mexico or Argentina, that have maybe have been sort of in this game a little bit longer, but maybe, maybe not have uh, a fully comprehensive package like this that's been, that's been implemented. Yeah, so look, we, we think regulation is really important because when you look at what you do at crypto, it basically resembles everything that everything that a financial institution does, right? Like you're holding customer funds, you're transferring funds on behalf of customers, et cetera, et cetera. So our view has always been that eventually this will get regulated worldwide. The question has always been when and at what cost, right? And so we welcome regulation that's thoughtful because we see that as an enabler um, of the markets. We saw that in Mexico. Uh, we struggled a lot basically building the remittance use case. And eventually, when, when there was clearer rules set by the authorities, it became incredibly easy. Well, not incredibly easy, but it became, um, it actually became a possibility to grow this business. And now we've grown that business a lot. Um, unfortunately, regulation also comes at a cost. It makes you slower. It makes, you know, it adds cost to what you do, and that can be at the detriment of consumers. And so it's really important that we get regulation, but that's thoughtful and that it actually will, and, and that it's made in a way that will continue to drive adoption. Some players absolutely hate regulation, right? Because they've built their platforms in a way that are very difficult to, to comply, and they just don't have that in-house DNA to actually comply. We actually, like we run a f our our crypto business actually is fully regulated and then in brazil um that will likely change now that there's local regulation because we've sort of regulated it um internationally now that'll probably need to come on shore if this um if this law passes or when this law passes and so that'll be that'll add cost to us for sure but it also sets a clear guideline for all the players right and today you see a lot of players um like us complaining because other players don't, um, you know, they, they basically follow no AML rules. And you've talked about this very well in your in your newsletter, right? Like, what is actually the right approach? Like, is there an opportunity to just build with no regulatory uh, requirements into your product and just grow as fast as you can um, and then become regulated once there are rules in place? Our view is that you know, when it comes to AML uh, with money laundering, if there's if you've enabled money laundering at scale in your business, which we believe some of the players in the market have done, it'll it'll be a difficult position to come back from. And so they might be able to do it, and I might be wrong about my thesis, but it might be it might it might come at a big cost, you no, know, in order to do though, in order to do so. But um. So now, on the second part of you of of your question on sort of like stepping out, like I think it, I think it's I think what Brazil is going is doing is actually 
remarkable, right? Because they're one of the few very large economies that have actually introduced a specific crypto law. And a lot of countries have tried to address this, like the United States is an example where some states created like a bit license or whatnot, but the majority of the regulation in the states is basically like, you know, get a money transmitter license if you want to do this. Brazil is trying to build a comprehensive framework for crypto. And I think we're going to learn a lot. And I get really excited about this because we're going to get some stuff that's going to go out that's going to be very good. And we're going to have some stuff that's going to actually not go very well. Everyone in the world gets to learn from this. And what's important about the players that operate in, those, in that jurisdiction is that we must build a good relationship with the authorities and have a very open dialogue to make sure that crypto in Brazil continues to thrive the way that it's been thriving. And today I can tell you that the authorities in Brazil are incredibly receptive um, to listen to the to the industry. You know, we've joined associations like the Zeta Association where we are collaborating um, with other players and the authorities. And um, what's important is that that collaboration continues, right? And, 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 and the job of the authorities is to really understand, you know, what, what to do, because there's going to be conflicting um, opinions by players. But I see this as an incredibly positive development for crypto in Brazil, in Latin America, and worldwide, and an opportunity for everyone in the world to learn from a very active market that I have the same thesis you have, which is that this is one of the most underlooked markets and one of the most possibly important markets for crypto over the next decade. And um, which is why 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 I moved there and why um, and why we uh, you know why we started operating there, but my time horizon is long. I think I think there's still a lot of stuff that will happen, and there is a lot of noise. But um, but over time, I think we're gonna look back and look at Brazil as one of the examples of you know places that taught the rest of the world um, some important lessons. Amazing. I'm I'm bullish on that as well. I would love to get your take on just like on optics, the question of optics, right? And with regulation comes kind of this, you know, this improvement of, okay, this is not the wild west anymore. This is, we're kind of cleaning things up and making things a bit more legitimate and accepted. I feel like in Brazil in particular, that is very needed because like kind of the mainstream kind of thought leadership of media, business, press, politicians, like there's not a very positive view toward crypto at this point, uh, I would say, you know, much less than places like the U.S. here. That seems to be changing slowly but surely, but I guess I would like your quick assessment on just kind of the state of just the general opinion of just there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens, there's pyramid schemes, there's all sorts of stuff that's kind of in the headlines that's like not flattering about the industry. I mean, how does this how does this bill help to some address some of that? And um, and then and then we'll wrap it up here with like just a quick uh, rapid fire question there after you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right. The optics of crypto in Brazil aren't great. I think it's improving. And I think it's improving because, as you mentioned uh, before, a lot of you know financial institutions um, are moving into crypto and have realized that they need to pay attention to crypto. And so that, that always helps, right? Because that means more people are educating uh, the public. And so that's always very positive, I think, for, for crypto. And definitely we see it, right? Like we ask customers how they found out about crypto. And a lot of it is like, or about Bitso. And they're like, oh, well, like, you know, I saw 
my bank make an announcement that they're going to support this. They don't support it yet. So I looked at what were some trusted players and I found that you that you have a brand that I that I trust. And so I um, I want to transact with you. And so it so it helps. However, there's a long ways to go. There's a there's a fair long way to go in order to make sure that um, that these crazy use cases are are weeded out. No, I would say that like you're absolutely right that there's been a lot of bad stuff that's happened and crazy stuff that's happened. I think the rate like this bill that's being passed is fairly general, right? And then there's going to be additional legislation that's going to come into play. And actually the the most important bits are going to be in that legislation. But that but this really gives us an opportunity to clean out um, you know, some of the scammers, some of the fraudsters, etc. But that regulation needs to get it right. That legislation needs to be correct. But I'm excited about it because it is a problem today and not all players are behaving the same way. And it's an opportunity to really legitimize what's happening in country. Great, great. No, it's super bullish. I'm, I fully agree that, that I think that's just this is the right this is the right kind of step next step forward to really kind of cleaning things up and just improving and, and then ultimately, you know, it's driving more customer adoption. Uh, more interest. Last well, question really quick here. Uh, what's your quick takeaways from consensus this week? So you spoke on a couple panels, but just what's your take on consensus kind of as it relates to the LATAM region? Well, it seemed like there's a lot of people asking you questions after your sessions and how, how well is, is LATAM represented at this global gathering here? Yeah, so I'm incredibly excited about consensus because it, it, it just brings all the energy of the crypto industry uh, to one place. And that's always amazing. And you see all the innovation that's happening. And, you know, this is one of the first years that all the Web3 stuff really showed up. Um, I think prior years, well, I guess last last two years, consensus was kind of like a virtual or on hold. And so it was awesome to see all the innovation and all the progress that the industry is making. I still feel like, um, th so, so there's a lot of interest in LATAM. As you said, like a bunch of people after one of the panels, you know, wanted to ask a lot of questions about the region. But I, I feel like people are still overlooking generally what the impact of this technology will have on Latin America. And I'm obviously very biased because I'm building a business there. But my thesis is that this specifically a technology like crypto can drive significant amount of economic growth into a place like Latin America. And that's why perhaps I'm, I'm less excited about the speculative stuff and I'm more excited about the use cases because, you know, when we see the cost of our remittance uh, to Mexico being cut by 90%, like, like that's incredibly exciting, right? Like you are basically providing a financial service to someone in a way that was just not possible before. To give someone in Brazil access to a yield account in dollars, impossible before crypto. Right? Like very difficult for you to open a US dollar denominated account if you're a Brazilian. You have to like go to the US, open an account in the US. That requires you to have a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly, like crypto allows you to, you know, I, I, we talk about this concept of egalitarian financial services. And I really love that concept. Like it allows the small individual um, to, the small investor to like open a US dollar yield account in 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 in, a, in their cell phone and that's just super powerful so but i don't i don't think uh, a lot of people are paying attention to that and so i i see the interest in the region growing and i see more and more companies from the region at consensus but we still have a long ways to go 
but um, but I'm very, very bullish. Amazing. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Glad we were able to make this happen. Look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you, Aaron. Very excited to, to, to be here again and looking forward to the next time. Alrighty, until then. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.